yeah, I don't know how it started, but I was probably 13 when I was just like, okay, well, this is obviously what I like and would like to do. And the only way to do it is just to get people together and do it. And that's just kind of how it happened. And if it's not a complete failure, then you keep going. And even if it is, mm -hmm. I think you keep mm -hmm. going. Just like, that's like the test is like, can you start? And then can you keep starting? Comedians always talk about like the initial period where it's just constant bombing, basically. The and, value of death. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, you just got to deal with it. You got to push through. And that's when you start to yeah. get to gold. So. Or get to old. <laughs> I'm just getting to old. There is a thing. It is also like, I, I have kind of a funny... It's important for me to be confident in the thing I'm making. And it's also, I've sort of realized yeah. in retrospect that that's also about not wasting people's time. Like if I'm going to get my band together, I want to make sure I have enough of a song that I think is good so that then they mm. can like pile onto it and help shape mm -hmm. it. But it's not, you know, it's not, it's almost never going to be like, let's jam and see what comes out. And so I already go into it with this like, base level confidence right. of like, okay, what, what we're making is good. I think this is good. I like it. And almost every time I've made an album in my entire life, I'm like, this one's the best. And this is the best I'll do probably. And then the next one <laughs> happens and I feel that way again. And then I listen back to older things and it, and there's a lot of things that are not the best about it. And I can even like recognize it. And mm. it's not, I would never go back and change any of those things. And you can, I don't know, but it's such an interesting way to like approach navigating through the world and growing up and making things at the same time. Cause you like need, you need to believe in the thing you're doing, but then you also need to always understand that it can be improved upon and change. And I sort of see mm. that like every time I make a thing, I'm a new version mm. of me. I don't owe too much to the older person sure. of me, but they're still going to hopefully look ahead and be psyched about <laughs> what's happening. I hope. I don't know. Fuck that guy, though. Yeah. He's, he's, he's uh, young. He doesn't know anything. Well, uh, speaking of being psyched hey. to do mm -hmm. things, uh, I, I'm psyched to start this episode. Our 50th episode. Let's do it. Click. Remember that record that you bought me like two years ago? Well, I just remember that it's sitting in the closet. So I called you up just to tell you I've been meaning to listen to you. I've been meaning to listen to who that Why don't you come over and talk about it Ooh, ooh, ooh Why don't you come over and talk about it Nice, 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 nice. I uh, I didn't get to ask my question earlier. Uh, earlier you said uh, that you like to play music with and for people. Have you thought about doing it against people? It's so much of the time you realize that's what's happening, <laughs> and, it, uh, and there's nothing there's nothing you can do about it. I try to I try to avoid those situations now, but I definitely like. I think my high school band right after high school we did a tour was our first tour and back then tour was like raise the money f through local shows and like forget to ask to be paid mm -hmm. by the shows you're playing on the tour right and right. one of the shows on that tour was at a venue it was like a bar in college park maryland and there was some basketball game happening it was an important basketball game because the bar was full of college students and we were like 18 so they all looked older and bigger and we were just up we were up very high it was sometimes a, a bar mm -hmm. builds a stage wrong 
Like it can't be too high. And this was too high. It really felt in my memory, we're like 40 <laughs> feet above everyone. It really positions you as like out of the way, actually. And so that was a very weird show where we were playing for against <laughs> like 300 people all watching TVs, the bar, cause the bar had like all the TVs, like around the bar in the center yeah. of the room. And so they would cheer there'd be applause, but like during uh, our song, like in the middle of songs when something big happened in the game. And then another uh, version of that happened <laughs> during the first Michael Phelps Olympics. And we were at the Olympics. Yeah. I, we were oh. opening for Michael Phelps and it was not nothing, pleased. nothing worked. <laughs> yeah. My keyboard was like, I mean, it was, it was shorting out because it's the chlorine is bad. That's where that's where that picture of him frowning and like looking grumpy comes from. Is you like uh, short circuited the pool? Is that why the band's name is Landlady? So that way you're it's like a rider. You won't perform in water anymore. We won't play on water. No, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. And I'm glad you pointed that out. We um, this was when we were playing yeah. at the Knitting Factory, and for whatever reason, there was. I mean, it was a it was a decent crowd, but like this was the first. Phelps Olympics. And that was like, you just wanted to watch that dude do anything. And so there was like, we were just playing for people's backs and that, uh, that felt bad. So that's when we were, yeah, that's a good, that's a good example of, of, uh, playing against people. And that was a good example of a good question. That was a great question. <laughs> wow. It, it was for comedy and you answered it in sincerity with good Can good it be answer, both? So. Can yeah, it all true. be both? Uh, get true. a girl who could do both. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. welcome to I've Been Mean to Listen to That, the podcast where we go through albums we've been mean to listen to and use as a conduit to learn about each other and our guests. I'm Andrew Ambrose Lee. I'm Sean Wilkinson. And I'm Michael Lamentato. And we got a great guest here today. Uh, you might know him as the lead singer of Landlady. You also might know him as the host of Ross and Adam at the Movies. He's the titular R Adam. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I had a 50-50 shot on that one. <laughs> and uh, also, he hosts the Landlady podcast. It's Adam Schatz. Hi. Uh, welcome. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you could tell that it's fun by you saying that it's so fun. Well, yeah, um, you, and you told me to say it, so that's why I said yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I have a, I have a gun trained to, I have a sniper trained to my computer screen, so in case you don't say it's not fun. <laughs> I can't train my gun, and I think it's because it's a rescue. <laughs> it's just like a total... I watched a whole movie about how to train your gun, but it turns out I didn't oh. read the title right, and it was actually how to train your dragon, so... Yeah, yeah. Didn't learn yeah. drag gun. Yeah. Drag gun. Drag gun. That's true. That was the joke. <laughs> that was like. Um, but welcome to the show. Uh, let's just get straight into it. Let's just get straight into. Yes, please. Talk about Queen. You know, real quickly. Please. What is your? Uh, what are your preconceived notions about uh, Queen, uh, the band? And uh, just like your relationship to the artist and to like their music and all that stuff. I went, I grew up in New England outside of Boston. And when you grow up around there, chances are in the summer, you're going to go to a camp. And then I went to a camp. I went to a music camp in Maine, in the town of Sweden, Maine. And that was the, the camp is called Encore Coda. It still exists. And it was, it was great because it's a music camp, but it's not like a conservatory camp, which is you know, a way of saying like, you can be bad 
you can be bad and it's like, nah, you're, you're still going to get to play volleyball. And it's like, not, it's not all about that. It's a part of the thing. And for me, it was like a chance to like have a second go at social interactions. Like the version of me that I was like working on that year in school, I was like, okay, and now let's like, let's do the like a prime version of that where I'm like, I figured out what like didn't always work in conversations <laughs> or who knows. It just like you get, you get another chance. And I went there for seven summers and really made a lot of friends who I still am in touch with. But I learned that was like, I'm the oldest of my siblings. So camp was like an amazing place to have music shown to me. And it happened constantly. Every summer I would just come back with like so much new information. And even, I mean, there was a counselor at that camp who once mailed me all of the Radiohead CDs that were out wow. at the time, like on like CDR, you know, everyone, it was like that time when you could just do that and send shit to each other. And so that the first, my very first summer there when I was like 10 or 11, I think. And I came back like really into Queen because someone in my cabin had the, like the greatest hits, the like maroon record that just said like Queen on it. Um, oh, sure. And then the Bob Dylan album Desire, which is a crazy album to be your like first Bob Dylan album. Cause it's the, I just like the hurricane song. I was like, this song's fun. And it's so long. It's like 90 minutes wow. long. And it's all about the hurricane. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, that was a, that was when I first heard, they're just one of these bands. They had so many hits, like too many. I think they had 21 number ones or something. Wow. So it's like, you can, even for a band where at first you only know the hits, you still know like so many different songs. Yeah. And I, yeah, they, they just, I, I really loved them at an early age. They become one of my favorite yeah. bands, but all to say, I don't think I'd ever listened to night at the opera straight through really until, until you asked me to. Yeah. Wow. Cause even when I was a, when I was a kid, my listening habits were not obsessive. I was like fine buying the Marcy's playground record and only listening to sex and candy. Mm-hmm. And that was, I, I didn't even see anything wrong with it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to play the song I know. Why would I like, which is such a funny thing to also then become someone who like makes records that I hope people listen to the whole thing for. And it's like, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't care. Yeah. <laughs> right. Practice what you preach a little. Yeah. Yeah. If I had a time machine, I would first go, I would first go back and tell myself, I would make myself listen to the whole Marcy's Playground album to like be convinced it wasn't as good. And then if there was time left over, I'd go and I guess I'd make Hitler also listen to the whole Marcy's Playground record. (laughs) Your number two priority. You know, like, uh, you know, uh, the thing where you like play for like your womb, you like play, you put headphones on the womb. No, like (laughs) What? You you don't know that? I don't. Okay, well, yeah, like apparently that's supposed to make your baby super smart. You play like your baby, <laughs> you put like headphones on your, 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 the mom puts the <laughs> headphones on uh, the baby tummy. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I'm not a doctor, okay? I don't know these terms. Um, but like you put, you play Mozart for your baby and the baby's supposed yes. to like get smart and stuff. Yes. So. Mozart makes babies smart. So if you play that like for, for baby Hitler, you know, maybe he wouldn't like commit genocide and become a, such a, such a naughty boy. <laughs> yeah, <good>. it's yeah. <laughs> I wish you keep talking about flawed Hitler man. longer. <laughs> 
the the paint rejected painter Adolf Hitler. <laughs> you know what? It would have made him a better painter, and he could have just pursued that, you know, as his main thing. Just like yeah. Thing. Okay, guys. Main thing. Let's. Uh, this let's is very get cool. This it. is a very cool conversation we're having. But yeah, his uh, final thing. He preferred to call it the final thing. Adolf, uh, we don't think the <laughs> final thing is the. Uh, is, we're having a problem with the word thing. So if you could go back to the drawing board and come up to us with a solution. Wait, say that again? <laughs> summer, summer camp is pretty Jewish. If he saw if he saw what happened after he failed and saw the like just the the virus of Jewish summer camps all mm-hmm. throughout New England, he would have mm-hmm. Oh. Listen, it's good. I'm glad we are living in a world that he would have hated. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and there you go, Andrew. I saved it. I saved the day. <laughs> So, so I'm going to turn my eyes over to Michael and ask you, what is your relationship to Queen and his music tree? Uh, I'm not done. I'm not quite done. <laughs> okay, let's, let's turn back. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> One more thing about Hitler, real quick, real quick. Yeah. I have almost no history with Queen. I uh, did not grow up really with Do you any... have any uh, uh, AP bio with Queen? <laughs> yeah, okay. Andrew, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I need to talk yeah. to Andrew too. Maybe I'll, I'll talk to him at the Just same like... time. Uh, I uh, so I have almost no history with uh, Queen. I didn't really grow up really listening to a lot of music that wasn't like on ninety one point seven WBGL. Ninety one point seven WBGL. Music for Christians. Hashtag music for Christians. Um, but, uh, I, so I just didn't have that much like experience with that. I knew like, we will rock you. And I knew that Bohemian Rhapsody was a very long song and I knew yep. Scaramouche was from that. And that was pretty much all I, all I knew and all <laughs> I really had the experience of. And I never really, um, had the inspiration like from any outside sources to go visit like Queens music. So, um, this is my first time listening through this album as well. Wow. Although Anthony I know most of the hits. Now. By the way, Anthony Scaramucci was birthed from Freddie Mercury's like mouth, like a Greek god. Uh, nice. So, uh, what about Sean? What What is your history with uh, or AP bio with uh, Queen? I'm a great host, you guys. I've been doing this for more than 50 episodes. Uh, yeah, Queen is like. Well, my my parents, mainly my dad, loves like classic rock, um, like 70s and 80s. So he. You know, we would always listen to like, if we're going to bring up radio stations, 92.5, which I think was the like classic hits, like 80s stuff. And so Queen was always played on the radio, obviously. I, you know, grew up hearing all the hits, basically. Um, We had the, um, like Adam said, the red cover, like greatest hits record. And uh, we would put that on all the time. And uh, I always loved it. You know, Queen, they're high energy. um, They're all super talented. Um... I don't think I really like appreciated them until like, I remember one summer, my friend won like tickets to like the, um, the pool, the, because the, our local pool like reopened, they like reconstructed and stuff. And so they won tickets. You couldn't just go there for free. (laughs) It should be a pool. You just go to the pool. We like, we got tickets to get before, to go before like every, before they reopened basically to like ride the new slides and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, okay. So (laughs) they got, I was like. How many slides were at your public now, now pool? Now like the 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 rubber on the slides, they updated so there's less chafing. So that's fun. Yeah, that is yeah. fun. Yeah, 
But I don't know. There's like there was. I think there's like two slides. Like, so I don't know. I don't know. Two what, slides. I don't know if you can call it. <laughs> I don't know what you'd call it if it's a water park or whatnot. But anyway, we uh, we got. Part of the deal was like you get to ride so in like, like a limo pool, pool to the prom. to the. Whoa! I know. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it was like me and four of my like best friends. So it was awesome. And we put wow. on Queen in the limo, and the speaker system was like awesome. Wow! And so hearing like I don't know if it was high def, but like hearing that record like on good speakers, I was like, holy shit! Yeah, these guys are awesome. Like the vocal harmonies are really amazing. Like they're just you realize like how talented they all are. And yeah. so I've really like garnered an appreciation for them since that. So yeah, that's kind of my history. And I've, but I've also never listened to a night at the opera in full either. So I don't like, I feel similar, similarly to rock music as Michael does to like rap. I just like, it's not my go-to genre, you know, it's, and um, I find, you know, at its worst rock to be unnecessarily aggro. I'm just like, I don't know if I like, you know, just like, and it feels sometimes like, obviously, if you listen deeper and which is what I want to do for this podcast and stuff like that. But like my instinct when I hear like, hey, check out this rock music. It's usually just like, you know, or just like stuff like that. It just feels it sounds like, like an undercover cop. If he's saying, Hey, listen to this rock music. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and then he just air guitars and hands, sings you, a, with his hands mouth. you a CD with like a very much of a microphone <laughs> a wire tap. Tape you know, where I could buy a convictable amount of cocaine from anybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, uh, I'm not like, and I'm not that interested in like the rock, like the kind of the rock and roll archetype either. Sure. Just like, you know, kind of like Jim, J, Jim Morrison, kind of just like, oh, he'd be using drugs and just like having a lot of sex and just like, oh, fame sucks. All this stuff like it's not that like, you know, all, like maybe in like kind of just like boomer energy, like isn't that interest, interesting to me? Um, but Queen feels a, li- a little different, basically. Um, Anaya at the Opera, you know, is the name of this album. It's like kind of a, a riff on like uh, the marx brothers movie uh by the same name they got by just like watching movies without the sound while they write songs or whatever which is like one of those band tropes that i really love for some reason just like because whenever i do that try to do that i'm like i want to watch this movie (laughs) you know (laughs) um but yeah like uh so like there's like oh it's camp oh it's like theater it's like kind of like let's go and experience a night at the opera you mm-hmm. know just like it's kind of like div like divorced from just like kind of what I know to be like my preconceived notions on rock music basically and uh, but I haven't I've never listened to this album all the way through. I, I watched Bohemian Rhapsody and uh, I found it to be okay. No, I like I liked it. Oh, I wow, liked, that's cool. I totally liked it, and I think it was I heard because you, I heard you talk about that a little bit on I, your show. Yes, I think it's because I saw it with my dad, so I wasn't going into it like I didn't see it with like musician buddies ready to make fun of a thing, and it's so you like. In order to appreciate a movie yeah, like that, yeah. I think you have to like first detach yourself from any version of yourself that's going to be like, what? That's like ridiculous because it's about because it's supposed to be ridiculous. And uh, yeah, I love I really yeah, like yeah. that movie. And I like the Elton John movie also because it's like you're not because it's not supposed it, if you actually watched yeah. 
footage of someone writing a song, it would be the most boring thing in the C- world. C G E sharp E sharp again. <laughs> yeah, make it look make it look like Freddie Mercury just had sex and then is writing We Are the Champions upside down on a piano. I not only don't I have a problem with that, but I love it. I think it's like totally good. And they, yeah, they nailed the like performance energy of the thing, which. Oh, he, he, Rami Malek is so good in that. I, I feel like people, you know, because of the controversy with Brian Singer that detracted from, you know, just like how good he was sure. in that movie, I felt. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh yeah. So I saw that movie. I was kind of like, <laughs> the movie like to me was just like like Mike Myers with like a frown going like this song Bohemian Rhapsody will never be a hit record and then like sure you know they kind of like it's a hit record and <laughs> then Mike Myers is like oh I was proven wrong you know um uh yeah I, I actually have like the pdf of the original script so like that's why I get where I got that from um but yeah that's really it you know I just I really don't know him that well and uh okay uh let's uh take a break but before we do so we actually have a very special uh 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 surprise for you guys um adam schatz will be singing uh songs from his new record um so (laughs) which is really incredible um adam would you like to um set up this first song all right this is a song called Nowhere to Hide is off the new Landlady album. Landlady, as are all the songs that are on that album, are also on that album.
Show me where the butchers got their name Choose to cut against the grain Break out the seams To show what's inside No one to run from And nowhere to hide Shoot, that was incredible. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, much better than our podcast uh, deserves. Um, we'll, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll be right back uh, after this break. Click. And we're back here to talk about Queen's Night at the Opera. Um, uh, Michael, may I fetch your slippers for... <laughs> try again, try again, start over. Do I have to try it again? I was going to just abandon it. Um, but welcome back to the show. Um, welcome back. And uh, we're here to talk about Queen, not the opera. Um, and uh, yeah, let's get into uh, what you fe- what you guys are feeling are the themes of this particular record. I mean, they're, this, this record's kind of all over the place. It's so all over the place. I, I was kind of like, especially because Bohemian Rhapsody is such a like, you know, epic thing. I kind of, and that was like the second to last song. I was kind of expecting it to build to that. It said it kind of go. It's it feels more like a comp. It feels more like a, you wanted a con. You wanted a concept record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It or just like a collection of songs. It's just like, yeah, this is cool. Like, hey, Brian. Like Brian wrote this. You know, Roger wrote this. Like John wrote this. Like Freddie wrote this one. And like kind of like the Beatles. Well, did. this. Yeah, I mean they. You sent that like documentary video for this record, and they mentioned you know the Beatles being a pretty big inspiration for this this record, and you like this album reminds me heavily of Sgt. Mm-hmm. Pepper's as far as like how eclectic it is and like all the sound effects and stuff. Oh, and, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very Beatles esque. Yeah, it's super. It's it's funny to then like think again about how like my relationship with this band was started through their greatest hits records, which like for a lot of bands you're you're sort of there's a lot of padding on greatest hits albums still because it's more 
maybe just songs that were released mm-hmm. as singles, but not that were all hits. And with Queen, they had to, I mean, they had yeah. like more than one greatest hits compilation. Mm-hmm. And it's still probably my preferred way to listen yeah. to a lot of this stuff. Um, so from like a examination perspective, it was super interesting to listen to this album a few times in a row, but it's totally, for me, the theme is like about collaboration and it sort of speaks, it speaks to Freddie that he could like really have, mm, he really didn't have an ego in terms of like keeping Mm -hmm. the guys in their place. Cause this was pretty early in their career, but they still had some big records, like enough for him to know that he's the dude. He, he's driving the ship and what's all, I don't know. It's such a, they are a really funny band. There's like so much humor in the music and so much humor in the playing. And most of the time it's not annoying, which is a crazy hard, it's a crazy hard thing to pull off. You think about what other bands were like huge at the time, because there weren't that many that like Mm. ruled the world the way these bands ruled the world where queen ruled the world and Led Zeppelin ruled the world. Who runs the world's girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I have to start over. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but it, this is how I interview I people. It's just like... <laughs> yeah, I think it's an interview. The, <laughs> but like Led Zeppelin will have a song that's like pretty heavy and intense and serious, but it's about hobbits. But it's serious. They're like, this is serious, but it's about hobbits. And it's this is like the flip side where it can be like, this is a song about like love. This is the love of my life. But it's there's still like tons of humor within the song and within the interplay. And it's like more reflective of who they were. So it's like if they're there's plenty of times where I've like I have a friend and they make music and I, my relationship with them as it is with most people is like being silly and goofing off. And then I see the, you know, the video they make and the song they put out and it's like super serious and intense. And so often like that part of them is subtracted because I think people are sometimes afraid of like letting that yeah, absolutely. be in the equation for, and I understand why that fear exists, but it also for me, totally interferes with like a three dimensional product and the ability to just like connect with someone. So if nothing else, this record, it's like these dudes like each other, they're goofy, they're trying stuff out. And that's what this record is. And yeah, collaborative to the point where like all the dudes get to put their own songs on it, even if the songs are bad. And it's also like, um, you know, I saw in the documentary, not not Bohemian Rhapsody, the actual no. documentary that like, you know, who like, for example, the first song, like Death on Two Legs, the other bandmates were like, maybe this is too far. Maybe this is like too mean. And uh, they were kind of like shocked by it, a little scandalized by it. But they did it anyways. They helped Freddie realize that vision of that song in the way he wanted. So but then that gives room for you know, uh, the, the guy who wrote like, I'm in love with my car to Freddie's providing backup vocals. Yeah. Cause they, I mean, that's kind of their, like in that documentary, they were like, yeah, our motto was kind of like, whoever wrote the song has like free reign. The fact that they each have like creative direction on the songs they write and they 
put these songs on this album the fact that like yeah they're all different songs and they sound different but they also sound very like cohesive together too which i think speaks to like the chemistry of the band as well like obviously some of it's like production side of it but like they do have this like impeccable chemistry with each other just dudes being bros uh, oh, by the way, the four members of the band are Roger Taylor, John Deacon, Freddie Mercury, and Brian. Yes. Like those are the four yes. main guys. Well, and they, it's all, yeah, it's, you set the rules. So they, to have that much like variety that early in the record, where the first, if like Death on Two Legs is this weird, like, sort of like catty attack song, and then Lazing on a Sunday Afternoon is like, super freely and then i'm in love with my car is this weird rock song that the drummer gets to sing and it's like okay so we're gonna be all over the place the whole time and then you're sort of on board as opposed to sometimes you hear a record that goes like way in another direction just for one song and you're like well you didn't earn that because i'm in a different place you got me in one place and now if you're gonna do that i'm gonna sort of be pulled out of it that said, I think I'm in love with my car is the stupidest song ever written. Yes. Yeah, it's like, stupid. it's such a quintessential, yeah. like now the drummer it's a Ringo gets to moment, write yeah. and sing a song. And yeah, I, well, that's the thing. He, I think he's become such a punchline, but like this one, and I think this is really one that he like fights to do even now. Like when they, when they tour with Adam Lambert, like he's going to play this song. Yeah. This song is... <laughs> awful it, it feels like like <laughs> some guy from toyota snuck into their writing like writing room and like implanted the seed in his mind while they were sleeping or something it's so awful and so i mean how uh, that's the like testament to queen like bohemian rhapsody is the second to last song on this album <laughs> and i'm in love with my car is number three it's like you're my best friend is probably the like catchiest quickest banger and they put it after, I don't know why those two weren't switched, at least, because I feel like I would have turned it off. But at the time, maybe not. I might have really related. I probably would have also loved my car. I wrote down some, I wrote down some lyrics. But again, even th- this song works because, like, Death on Two Legs is really funny. Like, these songs are, it'd be weird if the Freddy songs were super serious and then the drummer has a silly ditty. And it's, it's why I kind of worked with the Beatles, too. But yeah, I just, I need to read these lyrics for everyone, which is when I'm holding your wheel and it's, I think it should be known. This isn't, this isn't like, this isn't actually about a woman. It's really about his car. (laughs) Yes. I feel like, and it is sort of what makes this song noteworthy is I feel like a lot of people have written the song. I'm like, yeah, it's about my car, but it's really about a chick. And it's like, no, this one is all, this is all surface. I'm in love. With, I'm in love with my car. There's no metaphor. No, yeah. I'm in love with my car. It's just a full And here's why. You know? Yeah. When I'm holding your wheel, all I hear is your gear with my hand on your grease gun. It's like a disease. Son. That's good. It is good. I changed my mind. I like it. <laughs> it's good. What was it that did it for you? My strong argument of it's good? Yeah. <laughs> I just realized when I read the words and then I like live them, because I, I, I'm in love with my car, but this was also their record. This was the first album basically where they were going to get to keep any money, mm-hmm. like because they just got out of a really bad deal. 
So there were, they did feel a ton of pressure as being like, well, like if this one doesn't do well, we will in fact be broke <laughs> like for, for good, maybe. So it is, there is still so much risk, which is why it's pretty crazy that they just like went all in. But again, I think back then you just needed, you needed to know you had a few hits. It was less about like, is this album going to be a perfect album? And it's like, well, we like, we have your, my best friend. We have Bohemian Rhapsody. Those are getting sent to the radio stations. And we think that will sell the record. And that's like, people couldn't try out the album before <laughs> buying it. You know, that was like, that's how you tried it out. You heard Bohemian Rhapsody driving your car and then you. And you were thing. able to listen to it, even though you're so distracted by your car. Well, yeah, because you can't get gig horned I mean, up. Yeah, those wipers. <laughs> the thing is, it's not so much when the wipers go up, it's when they come back down. And that one oh, sort of teases you. Oh. You think it's going to go all the way over, but it doesn't. I hate to see them wipe the water away, but I love to watch them. Well, I, mean, I, love to, yeah, I love to watch them wipe a leaf. I hate to see you. <laughs> But yeah, like it's like there's there's like a camp element to it, but also like the the I guess if there is a theme to like to tie it together, like uh, narratively, it's kind of like a lot about like lost love or misconnections or something like that or something keeping two people apart and they wish they could close that gap is basically the big one I'm sensing with like um, love of my life is kind of about like uh his uh his relationship that was like kind of fractured at the time i that song killed me when i listened to it i really had never spent any time with that song and then on listening to this record a few times i was like oh my takeaway is like that's one of the craziest best songs ever written and i've never like heard it really we'll we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more in highlights but uh like love of my life is kind of like that like separation of just like between mary and freddie and uh you know, 39 is about like kind of a, a sci-fi version of that, of just like, oh, I like I aged a year in the space time continuum, but everyone else is aged, like have have grown like everyone else has grown old and stuff like that without me. And then it's just like, can you hear my call, though? I'm a million years away. And like Bohemian Rhapsody, too, is just like, uh, Mama, I got to go. Just like th there's like some you know, two people who want to like experience love together, but are separated for some reason one way or the other. That's like the, I guess that's a thread I'm seeing, but it's still, there's also still a lot of like, uh, it's kind of all over the place too. Yeah. A lot of Beelzebub stuff. You didn't really mention Beelzebub once. <laughs> people don't talk about Beelzebub enough, honestly. That's no. the main problem with our society to be oh, honest. So woke. If you're going to be, yeah. If you're going to be too woke yeah. to even talk about Beelzebub, then what are we even doing? <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. What do you think Beelzebub would look like in the Cars universe? Yeah, okay. Well, like big ass, big awesome ass. <laughs> which is... Big ass, big trunk, yeah. a lot of trunk space. Uh, uh, but yeah, like let's get through, uh, let's go through highlights then. Let's go through songs we like. Uh, Adam, what's a song, what's a highlight I for jumped you? ahead. I'm sorry. Um... You're fine. You're fine. Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, love him. Love of my life was the only one that wasn't a hit from this record where I was like, Oh, this like song is really moving and is really like, I love it. I mean, with you're my best friend, like re listening to that. Cause that's a, that's one that's pretty easy to like 
dismiss, not as being bad, but just as I like with any massive hit that you've heard on the radio a bunch, I often find that I don't listen as deeply to it. And with like brilliant people, once you do, you're like, oh shit, it happens with Stevie Wonder all the time. Where it's just like, there's a song where you're like, oh, I've heard Superstition too many times, like at a wedding. I don't need to listen to that again. And then you listen with headphones and you're like, fuck, this dude's like, everyone else should quit. Everyone should have quit the second Stevie Wonder was born. Because, are you kidding me? So anyways, that's, uh, yeah, spending like deeper time with uh, You're My Best Friend was really, it, it felt really cool. Everything else on the record's really silly to me, but the like it's still really fun. Prophet song is insane. And it's like, yeah, I think it's a total testament to like the friendship within the band where Brian May can be like, this is what I'm into right now. And Freddie's like, hell yeah, let's like <laughs> let's ride this wave, even though it is so opposite from like the earnestness of the songs that I'm putting forward. Yeah, it it, it kind of like is counter like how positive you're my best friend is, is counter to like how kind of aggro, like I'm in love with my car. And that's uh, a button. No, that's positive. I'm in love with my car is positive. I don't mean, I, yeah, I, I, I guess. <laughs> did, you, did you really hear the lyric about the grease gun? I feel like you heard it, but you weren't, it has, you weren't it listening. It's like a disease. Weren't, yeah, Son. I know. It's like, oh, what, what am I going to get to rhyme with this? Yeah. You know, like when you go to a party and you start talking to someone and they like talk about like, oh, at this yeah, point, I, no. Like, make, I have no, that's true. I'm like two weeks away from you speaking full gibberish to me right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, but, oh my uh, God. You know, like when somebody is talking about like a hobby they have and you go, oh, I'm going to ask them more about that hobby, kind of engage with them. And then they start to like be a little too into their hobby, you know, like I make model (laughs) airplanes. Oh, I spend thousands of dollars on model airplanes. Oh, I took out a second mortgage on my house for my model airplanes. Like <laughs> I'm in love with what, my plan. I'm, like, I'm in yeah, love with my plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I'm in love clean. with my car. Has the energy of a conversation you want to step away from at a party. That's like so okay, funny. Guy. Like oh, yeah, that's a pretty cool car. Pretty cool car you have out there. <laughs> yeah, and then he just yeah, starts like, just I, starts singing like at you. Okay, uh-huh, just kidding. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Forget it. Forget it. <laughs> It's really incredible with Queen songs. You like, uh, if you turn on a Queen song, you immediately know it's a Queen song somehow. Um, and one of the trademarks is the layered vocals of just like how the three vocalists, um, you know, Freddie, Brian, and uh, Roger, instead of doing like, okay, Freddie, you take the melody, the other guy take the harmony, the other take one, take the fifth or whatever, like just like three parts, um, they sing all the parts of the harmony. And they each singer sings all the parts of the harmony individually and then putting them together, basically. So it's like a it's a choir with like three people in it, basically. Mm-hmm. And like But then they would then they would multi-track on top of that and get this like big old sound too. Yeah. So, so like not not only is it like incredible just on a technical level, but like the character in all three of their voices are so unique and distinct that together it's just such a powerful tool and like it's such a powerful like it, it, it like washes over you just like how like i can't get enough of those harmonies like when they utilize them like really perfectly. No, it's crazy it's it's wild it, and it's also like it's really smart the like 
harmonies and the chords they write with, like, it's all really smart. There's no, and that, I think that's the thing about like your in initial aversion to rock music is just like maybe being resistant to things that are that version of like dumb, which is like, I mean, I love dumb as much as anything, but it's like still you're, it's almost as a listener, it's always really flattering when you hear something that wasn't dumbed down for you. And it's like, no, we think you mm. can handle this. We're making the thing we want to make, which is pretty much what Bohemian Rhapsody is. It's like, this is crazy. This is smart. This is like exotic and weird from a radio perspective, but we're making the thing we want to make. And we think you as an audience can handle it. And it's like, so opposed to how anything made for the radio is made now where it's like, if mm. something smart does break through, it's an outlier and it's sort of treated as such. Like yeah. you can never approach it with that in mind because you would never get there. And it is too like, bad, I think. It's just the way things have been headed. It's like, I don't think it, it's any one person's fault, but it's like, I feel like when I was a kid, that used to be said about pop music a little bit then. And then if you compare now to then it's like oh the early 2000s was like very sophisticated still if you listen to like destiny's child harmonies and then you go back further and you listen to like casey and jojo vocal stacking which is like a pretty good natural evolution of the like piles and piles of multi-track vocals if you like start with queen and then you go to casey and jojo and like really listen to what's happening it's fucking chaos and it's basically like that plus the church and then it becomes like truly next level and then yeah the queen like production style is also so they weird like for a band that aggressively overdubbed vocals everything else is really sparse you like never hear more than Mm -hmm. You almost never hear more than what the band would sound like. Maybe like two guitars happening at once. And then when the like solos get harmonized, but it's really crazy to me just hearing how like exposed everything is. And ultimately yeah. that like allows the vocals to be present. Cause in terms of mixing, if you have four guitars and three keyboards, those vocals will not hit the same way. Uh, yeah. Like Sean, what's a highlight for you from this album or, 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 or a few of them if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, Bohemian Rhapsody, just like from the, the grandness of it um, and the shifts in style within the song itself, I think, are done really well and they flow together really well. Um, and again, the vocal harmonies, like I listened to the acapella version of the little like oh, yeah. the opera so operatic section. And that was really like, oh, I can really appreciate the the vocals a lot more because you can really hear like Roger Taylor doing that like crazy high falsetto. And I'm like, is this even the same person that's saying about his car? Like. It's crazy. And uh and then I really liked I do like the more like quirky fun songs on this, like Lazing on a Sunday afternoon, I think is really fun. Mm -hmm. And then um what was uh Oh Seaside, Seaside Rendezvous? Yeah. yeah, Seaside Rendezvous. It's just like it's weird oh. and like the way they're imitating the the like horns and woodwinds and stuff. Yeah, I think it's yeah. so it's so unique. It's so fun. And I think ultimately that's like 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 Adam was saying, like when you do stuff that you want to do that's when it's going to really shine and like leave an impact and i think mm -hmm. that's like i'm going to be listening to that song like way more now just because it's so fun so prophet song i think is pretty good i love the uh um like in the middle the round 
if you listen with headphones where it's like going around it's i think i think it's really cool so uh yeah i think that i think that's those are my big ones um and then you're my best friend is just like very sweet on the ears so yeah i think that's all i got really for highlights uh yeah i just want to talk briefly about like love of my life that's my big highlight from the album especially coming from like freddie um i i just find this song tremendously like poignant and powerful of the idea of like freddie's saying like even though we're not um together in like a romantic way anymore you're still the love of my life you're still my soulmates basically and even though like uh i i think like because like a part of like why they broke up was his sexuality but even still like freddie is he's so hurt and like there's this chasm in his heart from where she left him basically and then he's like yearning for a time that he's yearning for her back like please come back and then also i i'm yearning for a time where this pain won't be potent anymore and we could maybe laugh about this we could look back at this with like you know after and the really beautiful thing is like it kind of that's kind of how it shook out basically of like they still were friends like till his death basically and like uh he granted her the majority of the state to keep her like financially set for the rest of her life and uh like they had they they were you know, she was his assistant and stuff like that. And like, they still had a good working relationship and a good friendship. And that's really beautiful. Like that's especially beautiful for like, cause like I've definitely gone through those, like in, in, in less dramatic terms, like that experience of just like, I really am yearning for a time where, you know, the, the immediate pain will be gone. And then, you know, we could just like be normal. <laughs> like things can go back to normal on on some level, but right now it isn't that time. So I find that that song, uh, and just like the pow, like just like the the um, emotion in Freddie's voice, like because like that is his. That's like it's mostly just the piano and uh, his voice and like a little guitar solo in the middle. But uh, I think uh, what Adam said about the instrumentation being sparse really helps this song you guys have mostly covered the songs i liked i was going to mostly talk about seaside rendezvous i think the sound effects and like silly you know sing along is pretty fun but i also like death on two legs it's a sound i didn't really know queen had very much like um i guess yeah yeah it's uh it, it's a lot more rock than i think you get from queen typically or at least from what I hear from Queen, you know, I think of Queen as more of like avant-garde slash grand because of, you know, like Bohemian Rhapsody or like stadium hits like, you know, We Will Rock You, like the stuff you know. And so um, I thought that was like a fun, like stepping into the album, I was like, oh, I mean, in for something new, like something different than what I expected when I first heard that. So I really like it. I, yeah, I just like the one part I don't like about Death on Two Legs is just like, I think the one part that's too far is impl imploring that he commits suicide. <laughs> I think that's just a little, I know, I know he's playing it up. I know it's theater. I know, like, if you probably ask Freddie Mercury, like, hey, like, do you really want to commit suicide? It's like, no, you know, but I just feel like, um, 
that the uh, the rest of the song is just the right amount of nasty. Like, I hope you get unemployed. I, you're a little, you're like a sewer dog or whatever. I think that's ju- the just the right amount of nasty of just like, and like vicious. I just feel like that's a little, like, it's kind of like with like Taylor Swift and like the Scooter Braun thing of just like how, you know, eventually it got to the point of like people sending him like death threats to him and his family and just like, you know, I think like no, like even though like she's completely in the right in that scenario of like you know them being manipulative and like all that stuff. I feel like I think um, sometimes like that gets a little too far and like stuff like that. Um, but that's my take. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, it's, yeah, I think that's actually a good like yeah. You can't you can't do a song like that now when you're like not allowed to just be a song like if you're like then at least he can be the singer who writes the song does the thing plays the part but now you would also like if you're freddie mercury now you are definitely a cult leader you're definitely like answering to everyone it's like it's just a different thing so i sort of i feel like for that time and place and given the things he says in other songs, it's like, well, that's a, he probably meant it. So it's like, if he meant it, then like, well, that's where, that is where he's at. I don't think he used the dude's real name. So back then you couldn't, again, it's like, that's not like what a time to like be around to like hear a song and not even be able to look up what it meant. It's wow. like, yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. you know, you're just like, I mean, in the movie, wasn't there that part where he, he Googles it and he looks at the camera and says, I'm Mr. Robot. <laughs> yeah. And then figures out it what it's about. That was a weird moment where he <laughs> switched into the Mr. Robot, but I, which is in character for Mr. Robot. When you find out that, yeah, the whole, oh boy, Scaramouche. Like there is like a vaudeville, like. Uh, like there's like a because I watched a little bit I didn't get to watch the whole thing but I watched a little bit of the Marx Brothers movie and first of all it's very funny you know just like the joke writing is like really sharp and like very funny um but like there's also like a vaudevillian slapstick quality to the music in this album you know where it doesn't take itself even a song like this it, like in Bohemian Rhapsody there's some serious subject matter in there but there's like a flair for the dramatic and a heightening of real feelings, basically, where it's like even that song is like, oh, don't take it too seriously. Yeah. And it makes sense. Yeah. It, it adds another like dimension of like, oh, these are these are dudes who like like staying up late and watching a Marx Brothers movie together. And that adds this new context. And I, I just read a book that was like a biography of all the Marx Brothers and just all the movies they made and it was really they sort of peaked like they peaked in vaudeville as far as they were concerned but then like got to you know they were old by the time they were making movies they were like in their late 30s at the beginning of their movie careers and it was like basically always a struggle between writers trying to give their movies plot and them being like, why? <laughs> like, this is all an excuse for us to do these jokes that we do. Sometimes sometimes exactly the same in multiple movies. And it's mm-hmm. like, and that's the point. And that's what it should be about. And that sort of reminds me of you, like, hoping for some narrative 
subtext in this album and it's like nope this song is about his car and then this one yeah. is about these prophets and like you're gonna like it and that's like it is what we say it is and like and Pete, the public was for the most part like yeah we do like it he's freddie you know, fucking mercury what are you gonna do say no yeah. it's like yeah follow him follow him to the end of the earth if if people are listening to just this episode and not the album, they will think I'm in love with my car. Of I'm in love with my car. I'm in love, I'm with, in love with another car. <laughs> yeah. My my first car is pretty mad at me yeah. once it found out I was in love with this other car. This car is my best friend, but just friends. <laughs> <laughs> me me and my car having the seven year itch. Yeah. <laughs> just like we're... yeah. I I really like thirty nine too. Like I it's just like really like. I, that's a song I didn't expect from them. Uh, just like how non-dramatic and contemplative and like melancholy it is. I guess it's, it's hiding in the storytelling because mm-hmm. it's about a sci-fi thing. Yeah. But like just the tone of it is like so like and just the harmonies. And I, I really just love the song going super high concept of just like it's basically interstellar uh, basically. And um, the little passage in the middle where the guy's doing the vocal like the the super high vocals and like he's Brian May says, yeah, that's supposed to be like you traveling through space and stuff like that. I I just also (laughs) like really like, (laughs) I just, I also just like really (laughs) like an acoustic sci-fi vibe, you know, cause that's a little, that those two inherently juxtapose each other a little bit. Um, So I think that's really cool. Um, that's like uh, that's my big highlight. Let's go through low light. I think we've touched on we, it. We nailed it. We've already totally <laughs> nailed it. It is by far the low light. Is you know, but, yeah, <laughs> but, but we're talking about it. We're talking days. about it. So there must be something there. <laughs> that's true. And that is the All thing. It's is, like is good. I've press. heard bad songs. Like really, like this is still so far from a bad song. But it's just so crazy. Mm. It's just a crazy, and it's like, again, like Ringo songs aren't that bad, but you're like deliberately putting them on an album next to a John Lennon song (laughs) or a George Harrison song. It's like, well, then like, of course we're going to think they suck. And it's like a similar, it's Mm -hmm. why, I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, kudos to anyone else in that band for the nerve to be like, yeah, I should also have a song next to the ones that this other guy sings. It's like, are you fucking crazy? Listen to him. It, it, like you said, it lends to that collaborative aspect, though. Like, you're not, they're not feeling like, oh, I'm untalented. I'm dumb. They're feeling like, this but is you good. You are dumb. You're dumb. Play else, the drums. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. It sounds like, yeah, that's what this would be like if an improv group got to have a band. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's the song I'm in love with my car. So yeah, I, I like, uh, I do like his vocals on, I do like love Roger Taylor's vocals. They, they're really strong. Like they're really powerful. Andrew, you, know? you like rock music. Uh, you know, you yeah. love it. I think you need to spend more time with rock music. I, th- I absolutely, I agree. Put your, I, put I your judgment aside. Agree. It sounds like you really like to rock. <laughs> yeah. You should hang out. Yeah. You should hang out with ACDC records and also okay, I think okay. ACDC and Black Sabbath they're very silly They're It's all like really mm. silly. It's so crazy to me how black Sabbath has like satanic imagery. And then you listen to it. And I was like, this is so goofy. And it's like, yeah, but it's also <laughs> still uh, quite good. So I think that's your entry point. I, I guess my big low light though, is just like that we haven't covered is just the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody is just so overplayed. Like that, like, and like, um, that like, so this is like kind of like the thesis I kind of tracked, with like um, songs that get like masterpiece songs that get overplayed or just like when you first listen to a song, it's like, oh, new stimuli. Oh, like new, like a new 
and then it becomes like you know like you can't even judge it properly on the first listen like whether you like it or dislike it you can't even judge it properly because it's just like new stimuli basically and then it becomes whether you like it or dislike it, it becomes a friend because you know it's you walk around you go do your day listening to the song you go to starbucks and that's playing there and then it becomes like a, then like a song that gets overplayed like this for so long becomes like a friend you kind of like try and avoid a little bit just like whatever you see me like oh god like i got i gotta like cover my face a little bit but then it like but then like as you get older and you maybe you have some time apart it becomes like a friend that you're like oh i miss that guy i want to listen to i want to listen to this song again basically or like uh after having some distance away from it you'll go back and say like oh bohemian rhapsody is a masterpiece like you know without that baggage of just like having it like bombarded in your head all day, basically uh, I, wherever you go. I don't know. I felt like, like I never, I don't think I've ever heard there's, there's some like songs that are like heralded as masterpieces that I would, that I've probably gotten tired of, but like Bohemian Rhapsody, like I don't think I've ever heard it and been like, oh, I'm sick of that song. Like it's so like masterfully done. I think that like, I've never gotten tired of it. Like I'm always down to hear that song. Well, I think it's more of that song in particular is maybe more of like a cultural like punchline and reference than it is as overplayed as like other Queen songs. Like if I, I would feel that like what you're saying, I would feel about like We Will Rock You, where like for the first time I when I was a kid hearing that song, I was like, this is the best thing ever. And then eventually you're like, well, this is dumb. And I'm yeah. hearing it at every sporting event. Yes. And then you listen again and you're like, well, this is but right, it's still. Right, right really and it's really cool and weird and just like yeah the way the way they do it what they do but yeah you have to bohemian rhapsody is so strange because it like it had its first push and then wayne's world brought it back again oh yes yeah and then when that happened it became like and i was too like i didn't see wayne's world in theaters but it's like by the time i did like rent it and it's like then it was like fucking you know, that, that was like all you wanted to see was like that Mm -hmm. scene with that song. And then it becomes, that's just when a song becomes like more than a song. And then it's, yeah. Then my, you know, buddy's crowd surfing to it at his wedding and it's, it's a cool thing. (laughs) And it doesn't take away. It's weird because that shouldn't take away from the merits of a song. You know, it's not this, it's not the band's fault or the song's fault that this happens. Um, yeah. And sometimes it's good. Again, sometimes it's great that like Wayne's World breathes new life, and like maybe like new listeners to the song or new attention, new like kind of like Shrek did with like uh, All Star, basically. You know, seems um, like you have a real thing for Mike Myers throughout the course of. <laughs> <laughs> he put. He's like a. He's a trendsetter. That guy. He like. Yeah. Pushed two great songs into the zeitgeist. Not just two. There's that um, Quincy Jones song that everyone thinks is the. Uh, Austin Powers theme. Oh, wow. But that's actually a uh, Quincy Jones song, I think. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. It's it's the the best. (laughs) But pretty overplayed. I'd love if that song was overplayed. If that became like the song of the summer. (laughs) I'm going to push. I'm going to push that for the song of the summer. The summer. Guys, do the Justin Bieber like yummy challenge for that song, everyone. I'm so just, happy. Just like playing your sleep. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about, and I'm so happy. <laughs> so, but, so, don't tell me. So basically, 
you don't want you you don't want me to tell you what it is. No, I assume it's your. I assume okay. you're trying to chug a gallon of milk before the Justin Bieber singles <laughs> over. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. <laughs> the, That's a good challenge, actually. Yeah, to like funny. listen to the song while like eating a spoonful of cinnamon. Yeah, exactly. To- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having a, a t-shirt can and blast saltines into your mouth. These are all good ideas. That's really it for low lights. Uh, Michael, like, what's a low light? Any low lights for you? I don't know. Lazing on a Sunday afternoon is more of an interlude than actual song. Um, I kind of wish it was more full, like Seaside Rendezvous, but maybe I wouldn't like Seaside Rendezvous as much. Uh, I also kind of, Sweet Lady kind of falls to the back of my mind a little bit. I don't re-think about it. I don't. Like, yeah, I it goes in one ear out the other every single time I've heard it. Yeah. So. Sweet Lady. Um, also, like, uh, Good Company. I think it's a fine song, and I like the guitar tones on it. But it has the the like the unfortunate thing of being in between Love of My Life and Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. You know? The sequence the um, sequencing's really weird on this album. I think it's like I don't think it matters. I think it's all wrong. It's just like <laughs> it's it's just such a crazy thing to do these songs in the order they're done in. Yeah. Because even like I mean, putting Bohemian Rhapsody like last is a good move from like a concept, but then nothing else is done conceptually really so then like who cares put it first right 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 right. But, yeah, um, it's like they like drew yeah. it out of a hat or something yeah. yeah that's true that's a good point you know i, I do like death on two legs as it's the opener, awesome but it's I, a I really good opener your point but all yeah good company is so strange there's just like a british fixation with like dixieland and ragtime and it's in a bunch of bands records it's like all over kinks records you hear it on like some zombies things that shows up in the Beatles. And it's like, they just love that shit. And it was already so old when they were getting into it. It's like, that's <laughs> like music from the twenties and before, yeah. and they'd really get into like tack piano and washboard. And you know, this one's a little more of a new Orleans sound and it is cool, but it's such a weird thing. For me, the big thing is just like Bohemian Rhapsody is just like, it's a song. I still don't understand what it means. Like, it's just more of a feeling, basically. It's a journey it takes you on. It's kind of, like, more... Because, like, Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the Fandango is, like, gibberish, basically. And then, like, I think when someone asked him about, like, Freddie about it, he's like, I'm not going to explain this to you, <laughs> basically. Did you not know it's Scaramouche's his car? He's in love with... He's oh. in love with his car, too. They're all, I didn't, I feel like I should have said this sooner, actually. This is a concept album. About cars. Every song is about. Death on two legs is about like how things should be, have four wheels instead of two legs. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird that you missed it. 39 is the, the, the model of the the car he drives. Of course. Yeah, Seaside Rodney was about how he likes to drive his car yeah. on the beach and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> you, um, know, so. <laughs> you know that Mercury, there's a Mercury, it was a car brand. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, that was his thing. That's oh, where he got his you, name from. <laughs> he loves, he loves <laughs> he his car. He got his name from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really, um, you really enlightened yep. me here. Like, this is a very edifying yep. Even an edifying guest. Um, yeah. So Sweet Lady is about the payments that are in the We should do more. We should do more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in love with my cars about how he's in love with his car. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's go through final thoughts and ratings. Uh, the way this works is we'll, um, you know, 
give this we'll give this album a rating out of 10 with a metric at the end so um i'll go first um i like it it's all over the place like all the song i i think all the songs are great for the most part all the song even i'm in love with my car i still enjoy you know i still enjoy it like maybe songs i don't you know, that don't immediately leap out for me, like Sweet Lady or Good Company are still good. They're still good songs. I still enjoy it. And like, you know, on any other album, it's still pretty, like, pretty good. Um, but uh, I just, I, I think the sequencing of the album could, it just feels a little off. It feels a little wrong, uh, like Adam pointed out. Um, but I just really like, um, ultimately, the thing that's cool about it is just like how fun it is. Like, and how much they, uh, how apparent it is that they're having fun, and um, just like which makes some of the more heart wrenching lyrics and like something like "Love of My Life" more potent. You know, it's kind of like when you see like a, you know, a, a clown be sad or something like that. Um, but yeah, um, th- that wasn't a good analogy. But like, yeah, like that's like, I, I just love. It's like, like when your car won't start, when your car won't start and you just want your car to start and it won't call you back. And you're like, but I've changed. <laughs> Have we lost oh the spark in our relationship or does your battery just does need to be replaced? It's a spark plug joke. Now we have to start over. Yeah, there we go. Um, so, um, yeah, like, uh, I think it's pretty good. So it's still, it's not my favorite. It's still like, um, I don't know, as an album, I'll revisit it. Like, I'm going to listen to this all the way through, you know. Um, but I will definitely revisit a lot of these songs, a few of these songs. Um, so I'm going to give this, um, uh, I'm going to give this uh, eight tap dance thimbles that you put on your fingers to like tap dance with uh i'll just i'll I'll do mine real quick um i do i feel like this is like this album is like a quintessential queen um really showcasing who they are quintessential Quintessential, the quintessential record and zachary quintessential (laughs) nice one are we still recording Oh, and uh, their harmonies sound really wonderful and they're just exploring and having fun. And I think it's great. I think the album shouldn't work because it's so all over the place, but somehow it's it's very cohesive and ties together. You know, this is right around when they were starting to break out into the mainstream. So to kind of put this out there and be like, we're going to do what we want to do is really cool and respectable. So I will give it eight scaramouches out of 10. It, uh, yeah, it's super weird. It's super weird and super silly, but it's like that. I th- I think that was just it didn't matter what shape your record took at the time, if the hits were strong enough and the hits are strong enough. So I'm yeah I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it eight cars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael, we turn to you. Now. Uh, I listen to this album. I don't really love it. It's the songs are fine. I like the songs that are the hits are 
the songs I like the most. And uh, I, without listening to it, I guess I wouldn't have known kind of the sillier side of Queen with like Seaside Rendezvous and, you know, Lazy on a Sunday Afternoon or even I'm in Love with My Car, you know? Like, it's fun to be able to talk about. It's fun to know. Um, but I probably won't revisit this as a full album, like you were saying, Andrew. Um, I, so I think I'm going to give this three and a half pairs of two legs out of ten. So seven out of ten. Um, but yeah, like um, this is great, and um, yeah, thank you so much, yeah, uh, Adam. Thank this you. is so, so fun. fun. This is so wonderful. Um, so let's get to our. <gasps> I've been meaning to listen to that, and we and did. we did playlist. Play um, <laughs> Adam has like a dead expression on his face. No, thing. it's just what <laughs> I'm looking like, like today. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm engaged. Um, so. <laughs> thank you thank you thank you for reassuring us that um so uh yeah the this is basically this is like how where we'll like add songs to our spotify playlist basically um so um uh who would like to go first i'll do it uh the song i'm gonna put on is mr blue sky by electric light orchestra click Yeah, it just it a lot of this Queen album kind of reminded me of this song in particular, just at like how quirky and weird it is, and you know, Mr. Blue Sky has this these like vocal processing on it, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's a really fun song. There's a lot of like shifts and um, uh, like tempo changes and stuff, and I think it's really interesting to listen to. So uh, yeah, that's that's my pick for the week. Uh, I'm gonna pick a song from. Uh... You know, Queen, one of uh, Freddie Mercury's uh, contemporaries and collaborators, uh, David Bowie song, uh, Life on Mars. Click. It's a god-awful small affair To the girl with the mousy hair But her mummy is yelling no And her daddy has told her to go uh, this song's just there's what what else is what else is there to say about the song? The song is great, you know, and it's just like um, really poignant and sad. And I just love the uh, how like theatrical and abstract the lyrics are, while also being like pre- pretty universal too. Um, so yeah, that's my pick. So yeah. My pick will be because we talked about Bohemian Rhapsody. We also talked about mm. Rocket Man. I think mm. about you know the the Elton John movie, um, and I think about my favorite Elton John song, which is "I'm Still Standing." Uh, click. You can never know what it's like. Your blood like winter freezes, just like ice. And there's a cold and lonely light that shines from you. You wind up like the wreck you hide behind that mask you This song is fun. I think it's very good, and it's see- seemingly in a similar era to me, and it's kind of what I gravitate more towards, because Elton John yeah. is a little more pop, which I find myself listening to if I'm revisiting kind of quote-unquote oldies. I almost picked an Elton so, John song. Yeah. But, um, so yeah. It's, yeah, those those are all great picks, and I love, yeah, I love all those songs. Mister, I love Yellow, and that was a pretty like late-in-life discovery for me mm-hmm. i think and yeah. that's and i never i like now that you say it though it's also like oh obviously super it's, obvious is, like yeah yeah the way 
there's some like similar vocal like effect things too mm-hmm. that I mean that's a really that's an interesting pivot where it's like they Jeff Lynn is that's a band but it's one dude. Mm-hmm. I think there were like two of them at the beginning but mm-hmm. really quickly it became like I'm one dude I'll like hire great people, but I'm going to layer myself a bunch of times and it's my production vision. And that's kind of the opposite with Queen where Freddie's like, just like, let me be me. Mm -hmm. You guys are the best versions of like a band who can let me be me and that'll be the deal. Mm -hmm. Um, That's so sweet. But yeah, I, I loved, I loved all those. My pick comes from a, uh, I just watched the documentary, which is on Criterion, called Original Cast Recording. Uh, Have you seen this? I know there's a, there's like a um, documentary now episode inspired yes, by that. Yes, exactly. Seen it. And it's about the cast recording for the for the musical company. And it's a mu- yes, it's a musical okay. I don't know. I've never seen it, but we watched the movie, and it's only like fifty minutes, and it's super amazing because it's like a watching how. Oh, but I should have, oh, I haven't said the song yet. I just, you didn't tell me in the email that you were going to say click after the song and it seems like you guys all did it. So now I just need to make sure I do it <laughs> at some point, but we're not there yet. So I don't have to, <laughs> but is, yeah, it's really cool to watch a musical cast recording. Cause it's crazy how they all do it in the same room and they're just trying to like yeah. crush it in one day. And it basically ends at like 4am with them trying to get the song and it doesn't quite happen. And then the next day, Elaine Stritch comes back and nails it. And so it's her version of this song, Ladies Who Lunch, which, okay, click. Ones who follow the rules and meet themselves at the schools Too busy to know that they're fools Aren't they a gem? And I'm going to, uh, I put that on my playlist. I actually did. I make a like monthly playlist for my Patreon and it is such a, yeah, it's just like such crazy energy and it's obviously like so much drama and it just has that like push and it's really, it's just, you just see how that energy kind of carries over between different performers. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, this is, this is so fun. Uh, let's, uh, let's quickly go through our, uh, plugs. Uh, so, uh, uh, Adam, what would you like to plug? Oh, I'm going to plug the Landlady record. The most recent one, Landlady, you can get it on Bandcamp and, uh, you know, all the other places too. And we have lots of stuff. And then, yeah, I've got a podcast about movies that start with the word the called Ross and Adam at the movies. You can listen to that. I've got my Landlady Land podcast, which is kind of like heavier produced interviews with musicians and jokes woven in between. And that's really fun to do. I do those once a month and kind of support that through my Landlady Land Patreon. Um, And then I'm going, I'm about to be on tour a bunch. I'm playing in, I'm playing in Japanese Breakfast's band. So if you come to any, come to any of those shows in the, Oh, summer shoot. or fall you'll see me playing with them and that'll be i'm kind of gearing up for that energy wise because it's gonna be really weird to play shows again hell yeah hell yeah that's awesome also uh first of all like yeah uh check out their new record landlady 
the, the titular yep. landlady. And also, um, what's it called? Check out their NPR uh, Tiny Desk oh, concert. Yeah. so good. Where, Thanks. Yeah. Great time. You know, and uh, what's it called? It's so, like, and you were so charming in it, too. Like, that's the thing that kind of pushed it over the edge to me, too. Not only the unconventional, like, instrumentation and arrangement, but, like, how charming and, you know, like, dry and, like, you know, how much fun you were having, too. Like, really... Like push that over to the edge. Oh, this is a great NPR tiny desk. I just so, yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure. I was like, I haven't seen that many of these where you like with like real banter, and that's sort of like half of our show anyway. So I kind of just wanted to because there's two versions. It's like if you do a tiny desk, it's like if you're you know Wilco, you can like play on acoustic instruments, and everyone's psyched to hear those songs played differently. But we kind of knew this is like you're still just trying to prove yourself. And this is the first time people get to see you. So it's like, okay, we're going to still try to do a version of our thing. Cause if we do a like weird acoustic version, then people will think that's what we are, which we're not. So then I'm like, yeah, we're just trying to like figure out all the ways to insert our thing into this, like pretty tiny window for the employees of NPR. Andrew sent us a tiny desk and I watched it and I was like, Oh, this is, really fucking cool thank you and then i was like oh okay i'm gonna go listen to the record and it translates super well yeah so i missed my opportunity to say like a tiny window for a tiny desk because like sean was talking but i said yeah sometimes when yeah when god closes a a door he's also (laughs) he's closing the window too He's ultimately the tiny, the the tiny door, the tiny window. Just he's Uh. just trying to keep you from talking, and sometimes you gotta just. Let the good Lord do uh, hit you where it splits you yeah. <laughs> or whatever it's at. That's it. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, this is uh, uh, you could find uh, Michael at Live in Taco on Instagram and Twitter. You could find Sean at T1 underscore Sean on Instagram and Diabetic Twink on Twitter. Uh, you can follow. You got me it. You're the one who on- got that handle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> Cause I was trying to, I, you know, I wasn't going to keep it, but I was going to mark it up. I was like, if I can get, I just woke up one day. I was like, if I can get diabetic twink, I am going to, that's going to be, it's going to be worth billions. If I can really be the first one to get it and you beat me to it and you know, (laughs) Hey, respect respect as long as people are marking up <laughs> insulin you might as well mark up their twitter accounts well, too right that's what i pivoted to ultimately when i realized i couldn't i couldn't do the url scam i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna rob this insulin truck and then sell it to sell it to teens and tell them it's adderall yeah. so that's what well, i'm that's what i'm doing i guess i forgot to plug that but yeah, yeah. better late than never <laughs> these teens are dumb teens getting are dumb. with insulin uh, as that's, adderall that's true just <laughs> Uh, yeah, that you can follow, true. you could also follow me at Andrew A. Lee on, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you could follow the show at IBMTLTT on Instagram and Facebook. And, uh, let's just like, honestly, like, uh, for the charity, let's just keep doing Chicago freedom schools. It just like, I, th- I feel like that's easier. Also like, it'll like accumulate more money for sure. one cause and then like do like three month periods and then like yes. change to a different one. Um, so yeah, like for every rating we get on Instagram, on, uh, no, I'm sorry. For every rating we get on, uh, Apple podcasts, let's, uh, we'll donate $1 to Chicago freedom schools. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, 
And uh, yeah, uh, let's uh, have uh, thank you so much, Adam. This is so great. It was so lovely to finally meet (laughs) you. We've been like internet pals for a little while. Like, and um, I, I apologize that you've had to like, you know, witness like two hours of unfettered me, <laughs> like uh, where on Instagram you get to like so like oh that was a funny comment and some odd yeah. that. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is this is so wonderful. You're such a talent. Thank and you're you. So generous and like insightful and smart and kind. And uh, let's uh, let's uh, do a closing sentiment from you, and then uh, let's set up your second song for the uh, podcast. Yes. Three, two, one. This is this is Adam, Adam Schatz, and you've been meaning to listen to I've been meaning to listen to that, and now you did, and we can move on. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. wow! Wow, Christopher Nolan got a boner somewhere. Um <laughs> But uh, let's. Uh, but on that note, let's uh, set up your second song. Uh, sorry, um, let's set up, let's set up your second song. So, uh, do you, would you like to tell us uh, what song you're going to be singing now? Okay, this song is called "Tooth and Nail." Save your skin, tooth and 
Very nice. Wow. That was such a great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow.